630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. Want to thank some folks on the text line here with uh, Chris and Victoria leading the way that the uh, Canadians line was Lafleur, Lemaire, and Schott. So they uh, would have had uh, a season where they all had 30-plus goals. And Bruce uh, getting me on Twitter. And I'm kind of disappointed I didn't think of this line. The old triple crown line for the L.A. Kings in 80-81. Dion had 58, Simmer had 56, and Taylor had 47. I mean, this would be, I guess this would be fun to go back and look. We had, if you're, if you're just tuning in, Brian on the phone line called in before the news and he was asking about a line where all three guys had 30 goals in a season. Uh, so I threw out there the 85 Oilers when Crucial Niski, Gretzky, and Curry were together. Uh, then we started talking about Canadians teams in the late 70s, Bruce bringing up the Kings. I mean, the 1980s, high scoring era. So there would have been several teams that, I mean, there would have even been bad teams where they would have had three 30-goal scorers. Uh, it's just a matter of whether they were all on the same line. Maybe that's a research project for somebody. I don't know. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. Is this actually this person's name? <laughs> okay. Seriously, this is how he wants to be known. All right. We have a... Uh, we have Grumpy Guy on the line. Oh, grumpy. No, 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 not Rumpy. Grumpy. Yeah, I, no, I said Grumpy. Oh, did you? Yeah, probably cut off the G when I clicked for you to come on. I would not call you Rumpy. <laughs> unless maybe I saw you to confirm. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, why are you Grumpy? What's going on? I want to talk about Lucic. Is that what makes you Grumpy, or are you Grumpy about the programming? Life in general. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, buddy. You can talk oh, to me. It's all good. It's all good. I heard one of you guys talk one time about how... When you're, you know, um, watching a game and you're doing the color commentary, the more you mention a guy's name, the more he's doing. I haven't heard Lucic's name mentioned in a lot of games now. I think it was a waste of $6 million. Just my opinion. Yeah, well, I've heard that before. I didn't think that line had a great game last night. Uh, I think Lucic has been better probably over the last 15 to 20 games than he was over the first maybe 45 to, to 50. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, you're like I said, grumpy guy. You're not the first guy to say that. His offensive production actually isn't that much lower than his career averages, but it is it is a little bit lower. He's going to be here, so we'll see how he plays uh, in the years to come. That's the thing, though, Reed. It's not just the last game. It's the game before and the game before and the game before. You don't think he was playing a little better over the last uh, month or so? I don't think he's played good since he came here for $6 million. Okay. My opinion. All right. Well, he's going to get a chance to contribute. Hopefully, he helps in the playoffs, eh? Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Paying him a lot of money. That is a lot of money. He's the, one of the highest-paid guys on the team. Well, he's tied for the highest-paid guy on the team, for sure. Thanks for sure. calling, Grumpy Guy. Hope you feel better soon, okay? <laughs> Another ramen, I'll feel better. Okay. That's Grumpy Guy, 780 
Uh, man, you know what? This is one of those. That's what I like about the show. Sometimes you don't know where it's going to go, but I obviously was totally unprepared for this topic. Well, I generally am prepared for the show in general on a Friday. But um, this texture says maybe the three Stastnys. They had some pretty high-scoring years. McGilney, Turgeon, and Andrachuk all had 50 for the Sabres. Were they all, all, all on a line? I guess maybe they were. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess they could have been a line. I guess now we're just kind of generally talking about high-scoring lines. Quickly updating the scoreboard here. The Flames are underway against the Sharks. No score very early. Same deal for the Blues and the Avalanche. Late in the first period, Chicago is up 1-0 on Columbus. The Islanders lead the Devils 1-0 in the second period. In the third, the Penguins with a 2-1 advantage on the Rangers. Still to come tonight, the Kings and the Canucks and the Capitals and the Coyotes. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can call 310-GLASS today. We're going to bring in Eric Stevens in a couple of minutes here to set up things from a Ducks point of view. I'm going to ask him about the uh, Anaheim goaltending because that could be a bit of a question mark as uh, we go into the playoffs as well. You're also going to hear from Brad Gushu who won the Briar and he's representing Canada at the Worlds here in Edmonton starting tomorrow. All right, we have Steve on the line as well. Steve, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. That's good. Oh, just a quote to that grumpy guy. I get it. Okay, $6 million, I get it. I, you know, whatever. But nobody complained when Everly wasn't doing very good or Nugent Hopkins, and now they're putting points on the board. Nobody's complaining about them being overpaid, right? Like, give me a break. The guy has a little bit of a drought. Get, get over it. They go down as a team. Right? And they get up as a team. Each one's picking up each other's pace, and they're going hard. This guy that's about $6 a year, come on. Well, I, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I mean, and I guess to, to me, Steve, this is the time of year where the roster ain't going to change, right? The roster ain't going to change. Um, you can't trade anybody. You can't sign anybody. Well, you can sign college guys, but you, you're unlikely you're going to sign anybody that's going to come in and make your lineup. So now, regardless of the contract, can a guy find a role that helps the team win? I, I know people wanted, were hoping Lucic was going to be the first-line left winger for McDavid. Right now he's not because, thankfully, there's another guy there, right? Right. So can that second line be consistent in terms of, you know, forechecking and getting on the scoreboard? I, I thought they had a. Pre- I thought the second line had a pretty good game against Los Angeles, even though they didn't they did. score. I thought they played pretty hard last night. Not so good. No, but that's just one game, right? But look at where we're standing right now. We're tied up for the, almost the first place in our Pacific Division, and yet they're they're not doing it individually. They're doing it together. And if you put them to the plate, they'll they'll perform. We just have to have faith in them all. Well, and everything resets on the playoffs, right? Everybody's stats are right. going to be zero. So we'll see what happens right. then. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. 780-496-0060. Chris in Victoria is on a tear tonight. He says, Reed, I think Lucic could just stand there and be worth the money. <laughs> His uh, presence is worth so much that people don't understand. He was the one who called the team out and change the uh, mandated day off and one word swagger that's why the Oilers are challenging for first place and we also have Bill calling in tonight hello Bill hey Reed how's it going I'm doing well good good uh long time Oilers fan uh not a bandwagon jumper but you know sometimes uh, the past years you kind of cling on to the side of the bandwagon sure 
And as soon as we made the playoffs this year, I'm just like, hey, that's great. I didn't really like, I mean, now I get wrapped up in the, oh, yeah, get the conference title and, yeah, go far in the playoffs. I'm happy. Right now, as a longtime Oilers fan, I'm happy. Things are turning around, the management, everything. So it doesn't matter what, like, happens in the playoffs. If we play well and lose, fine. Know what I mean? Like, well, I think those. I think people will still be disappointed if if they don't make a little bit of a charge here in in the playoffs. But I, but again, I, I think the Oilers they they can hang in there against everybody. I wouldn't favor them against every everybody, but they have enough diversity to the roster, and they have a solid enough goaltender that they're going to have at least somewhat of a chance against anybody over seven games. Oh, absolutely! And look at our conference, right? Those big dogs that were big dogs in the past, right? Like the the San Jose's and the Anaheim and stuff like that. Like we we beat them on any given night. So out of seven games, eh, hey, it's possible. Well and if so, your goalie steals you one or two out of seven, that could swing the series too, right? Oh absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just uh, I almost get uh, a little bit um frustrated and saddened by like a, either TSN or Sportsnet or somebody saying like, oh yeah, last time was 06 and we went to the finals and this, it's like, no, 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 this is not 06. <laughs> this is not the same team from 06, you know what I mean? It should be a better team, quite frankly. Well, yeah, me too, like I agree as well, right? Uh, who is it? Peter Shirelli is doing the little tweaks here and there, is that? He's the general manager, yes. Okay. Yeah, so, like, I see tweaks coming in, right? Like, it's okay, we need to work on our defense. We need to work on a bigger forward line. We need to work on this or that. I see those little moves, and they're quote-unquote little, but everything in Edmonton is huge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, thanks a lot for calling, okay, buddy? Thanks a lot. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll get to uh, Ron when we get back, but we got to take a. Oh, also, I want to update the Women's World Hockey Championship underway in Plymouth, Michigan, Canada, and U.S. Opening up the round robin against each other, the states uh, after threatening that boycott, leading Canada one nothing early in the third. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Sean texting in, he says, people should remember that at this point, the Oilers are likely to be favorites in the first round. The past is the past. I expect and I'm looking forward to a solid playoff run. That is from Sean. Give you a full scoreboard in a few minutes, but I can tell you the Sharks and the Flames are scoreless about uh, seven and a half minutes into the game in Calgary. Flames trying to clinch a playoff spot and keep uh, their slim hopes for home ice advantage in the first round alive. 780-496-0063 is our phone number, and we have Ron calling in. Hi, Ron. Hey, Eddie. How's it going? Doing quite well. First of all, big fan, Oilers. I came from India 10 years ago lived in Toronto, but for some reason became an Oilers fan right away. How come? Don't Do you know? know? Sorry? How come? Do you know why you picked the Oilers? I don't know. That was the lockout season uh, 2006, I guess. And uh, after that, like they were just like, for some reason, I just fell in love with Oilers. That's all. 
big fan of Maroon over McDivitt any given day. Oh, really? Cool. Well, Maroon's won a lot of people over for sure. Oh, yeah. I was so happy when they put him on the first time with McDivitt. I know people are upset with Lucic, and he's having a tough time this year, but, you know, he's going to get back. But Maroon-McDivitt combo is the best so far, working out. Yeah, they've been incredible for sure. And Maroon yes. keeps it simple, goes to the net, stick on the ice. It's what you teach a first-year hockey player. And, and, and he gives them so nice deflections every time he gets a goal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got a chance at 30. That's an incredible story. I mean, I think 20 would have been a great year, so he's exceeded that. What else is on your mind, Ron? Uh, Last week I was speaking to you and my phone got dropped off. I wanted to speak about the goal differential between every period. Okay. First, second, and third compared to last year. Now, as far as I remember, last year, Oilers in the second period, horrible, horrible. This year, they have done better, but they are always trying to catch up. So, like, what's going on with that? Well, I just quickly looked up the goal differential because uh, Warren said you probably wanted to talk about that. I got, I just quickly went on NHL.com. In the first period, the yeah. Oilers are plus two. The second period this year, they are plus 18. Right. No, pardon me. They're plus 16. And the last period, they have done exceptionally well. Plus eight. So the second period is actually their best period for goal, goal differential. Oddly enough. Year. Yeah. And did you check about the last year? I didn't. I didn't realize you wanted to talk about last year, but I'm going to guess they'd be negative in every period. Oh, my God. Last year, <laughs> I remember uh, at the end of the season, they were minus 60 or 70 in the second period alone. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes that's when teams make some adjustments or, or you know, with the long change, maybe they don't always get the guys out there they, they want as, as quickly. But right. uh, they've been a good second period team this year for sure. Right. I just hope they catch. They, they keep up this run in the playoffs in the second period and don't get a boo boo in that time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ron, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate Thanks-y. it. Okay. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right. We'll bring in Eric Stevens after the seven thirty news to tell you a little bit what's going on with the Anaheim Ducks. They blew a game last night in Winnipeg. They were up 3-1 and lost 4-3 in overtime. So their lead over the Oilers, just a point for first in the Pacific Division. Big event going on at Northlands Coliseum, and uh, it's the World Men's Curling Championship. We're going to give away tickets. What do we have? A couple of tickets to the Wednesday night draw, Warren? Seven eight. We'll give it to caller number three since it's the, we gave away a couple earlier in the week. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Two tickets to go to the World Curling Wednesday night at Northlands Coliseum. Brad Gushu representing Team Canada, and uh, he says, you know, it's pretty cool playing in Alberta because it's kind of feels like back home in Newfoundland. There's a lot of Albertans that have a Newfoundland connection, whether whether it's they're from Newfoundland or they have a friend from Newfoundland or a relative. So uh, I certainly expect a lot of support out here. We have a lot of people coming from, from home, uh, as in family and friends, but I think the general population is going to be pretty supportive because uh, you don't you can't go too far in Alberta without running into a Newfoundlander. So uh, hopefully they come out and support us. Yeah. This event is, uh, the setup is kind of a lot like the Briar Gate. What kind of differences do you expect to this? I mean, like the schedule's kind of the same, playoff format's the same. Is there a major difference? There really isn't. I, I think the biggest, the only real difference is obviously the, the uniform we have on our back um, and the expectations that come with that. Uh, a few minor rule changes and, and obviously the teams we play. Um, so that's, the, those are the really, the only differences. And, and I think playing in Canada, I think, is a, is a real bonus for us because it keeps it, 
as similar to a briar and we have a ton of experience at the briar so we can really rely on that and and be used to the atmosphere that we're playing in here and uh, that's not going to be something that's going to intimidate us but there are going to be teams here this week that are going to be intimidated when there's you know 10,000 people in here screaming and and uh, you know that's uh, something that we can we can use an advantage. 14 Briars, you've been to the Olympics, you're going to your first world championships. Are there any nerves for you? Not really. Um, you know, I'm sure come tomorrow afternoon when we step out for the first game, there's going to be some nerves, but that's normal. Even even playing in the Briar, I, you know, the first game I get real nervous. Obviously, this year I got really nervous. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I know how I'm going to feel, so I, I can prepare for that, and, and it's not going to be a surprise when I, when I feel that way. And uh, I think everybody out here is going to be a little bit nervous come tomorrow afternoon, but you get used to it, you get comfortable, and, and, uh, and things get easier. Brad Gushu, Canada will play Switzerland tomorrow in their first game. On Sunday, they play Russia at 9 and Sweden at 7. Morley Scott will be at every Canada game and we will have you always updated here on the airwaves and on 630Ched.com. The Brettster checks in. He says, Reed, who do you want to win tonight in the Calgary-San Jose game? Which team winning would benefit the Oilers most? I actually believe a Calgary win would benefit the Oilers the most because it would keep the Oilers in second place solo and uh, give them a better shot at home ice advantage in the first round. I mean, if San Jose wins tonight, it would actually bump the Oilers down to third because San Jose has the tiebreaker. Oh, actually, it wouldn't because the Oilers have fewer games played, but it would put uh, San Jose in terms of a tie with points. So actually, I know you hate to hear this. I think it's better if Calgary wins tonight for the Oilers getting home ice advantage. We'll follow that game for you. We'll see what's going on with the Anaheim Ducks, and we'll also catch up. I'm looking forward to, to telling this story here. Brian Towers is going to join us tonight. Coach the Saskatchewan Huskies football team for 34 seasons, won three Vanier Cups, one of the greatest coaches in the history of Canadian university sports. He stepped down a couple of months ago, so he'll check in as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shad. Johnny Goudreau scores for Calgary. They take a one-nothing lead on San Jose. About six minutes left in the first period. Opening round robin game for Canada at the Women's World Hockey Championship. They trailed the United States 2-0 in the third period. The Anaheim Ducks and Edmonton Oilers will play tomorrow. You can listen to that to the game right here on 6.30. Chet Anaheim, one point up on Edmonton for first in the Pacific Division. Eric Stevens covers the Ducks for the Orange County Register. Eric, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm well, Reed. How's it going today? It's going very well. I appreciate having you on the show again. And uh, who knew April 1st, the winner of the game tomorrow would move, at least for now, because it's very tight, but at least for now, into first place in the Pacific Division. And who even knew this a couple of weeks ago when it looked like San Jose was going to be able to kind of cruise to uh, the regular season division title? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I think the latter <laughs> of, of what you, of the two things that you just mentioned, is, is it's probably the more surprising thing. Um, you know, the fact that uh, the the Sharks have um, have have had a bit of a nosedive here over these the last say uh, two three weeks, um, and in fact, I think early on in it, uh, Anaheim had one of those or delivered one of those losses to them in San Jose. Uh, uh, you know, which coincidentally uh, kind of started its recent run 
uh, toward getting, uh, you know, toward challenging for the Pacific when, you know, I think, like you said, we all thought that uh, we all thought that it was just going to be, you know, San Jose to lose and everybody else was going to uh, jockey for the two, three, and four spots. But uh, I tell you what, it was, uh, it was great to see. Obviously, the fans around here uh, in Edmonton are, are just got to be thrilled at, you know, what the Oilers have done, how Connor McDavid has really led them and, you know, sort of, you know, hit, you know really uh, had a, a terrific run here down in this home, home stretch of the season. Um, you know, to, to, to have Saturday's game, you know, be for first place, uh, you know, in this town, you know, has got to be really thrilling. It's new territory for the Oilers, obviously, at least as a team. They have players who have been in games like this. I mean, the Ducks have been through this before, jockeying for playoff positioning. They've been in, you know, seven-game playoff series. Certainly they're probably, not probably, certainly they're disappointed after blowing that lead last night in Winnipeg. What's the, what's the sense around the Ducks, do you think, going into tomorrow night's game? I mean, Todd McCullen jokes, yeah, every, every game is the biggest game of the year, and then there's going to be another big one after this. Well, what's the uh, Ducks mentality here down the stretch and going into tomorrow? Well, I think with them, you know, the, the word process, you know, it, 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 it almost gets, uh, you know, thrown around, you know, too much and, and gets overused. But I think it really does apply here because with the Ducks, they're more about how they finish, uh, you know, how as opposed to where, you know, whether it's in first, whether it's in second, whether it's in third, whatsoever. They're more into getting their game completely together down the stretch so that when the playoffs do arrive, you know, they, they, they are a – completely confident bunch going into it. So, yeah, you know, I I think a game like yesterday actually, you know, could, you know, the fact that they lost a a two-goal lead and wound up losing in overtime, you know, I I think that could be one of those, uh, you know, maybe silver lining moments where, you know, a team that's going good um, has been on its best run of the season, you know, to date, sort of gets a little bit of a reminder that they can't take, anything for granted you know they, they, they can't take two goal leads you know against a team that's not down for the playoffs they can't take that for granted so i think in in, in some ways you know the, a loss like that comes right now even though you want wins and even though the division is there up for, for the grabs i think that's a, it could be a good thing for kind of grabbing their attention in terms of again being how they want to play uh, you know, toward the end here, how they want to play as well as they can over 60 minutes, you know, as possible. I don't think really anyone plays a perfect 60-minute game, you know, but that's just, but but they want to get close to that. Eric Stevens joining us inside sports on 6:30. Chet he covers the Anaheim Ducks for the Orange County Register. First of all, you got a great Twitter handle, Iceman Cometh. I don't know how somebody didn't beat you to that, but good for you for nailing that down. <laughs> I know I need to trademark that thing, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something. Uh, it's, it's, it's good I snapped that up early, eh? Yeah, you must have, you must have been the first one to try that. That's that was, that's perfect for a hockey reporter. You you got a one of your tweets uh, from the last day here. I'm just going to read it and then I'll let you give listeners some details here. You wrote, "Could the Ducks be looking at another tough goaltending choice when the playoffs arrive?" That's a total contrast from Edmonton, where there's 
been one pretty obvious choice all season long. What's going on in the Ducks' grease? Well, I'll tell you what, what, what it really is is that I think the, the, the strong play of Jonathan Bernier, you know, combined with John Gibson being out for a month, uh, I, I think has maybe opened that question up. Uh, you know, I, I think even now everyone, uh, you know, tends to agree, and, and even within, du- within the Ducks, you know, t- tends to think that John Gibson is their number one netminder. Uh, you know they've 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 planned for this. They signed him long term. They traded Frederick Anderson. You know, uh, you know, in, in, in part as signs of making him their number one. So I don't think there's anything you know that that really uh, um, that you know that really goes against that. But having said that, you know, John has been one where he he's had injuries that come you know come up uh, usually one significant one from for each of his years in the, in the league, and Jonathan Bernier came in and was lights out uh, over that month long stretch. So, you know, right now uh, he Bernier is their goalie. Um, they do have an up the or the, they do have a back to back obviously with Edmonton and Calgary there on Saturday and Sunday. So you would tend to think that Gibson will be worked back in here um, at some point for either one of those games, um, and they have to, you know, see what they have. They've, they've got to get him ready for the postseason. Uh, but uh, but the fact that you know the you know the Bernier played so well and probably much better than they anticipated has maybe opened at least opened that question to where he would be, you know, he could be a consideration for a game one start. If Gibson isn't ready, all right. Well, that's something to, to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Eric, I know you had a busy day of travel and you're settling into Edmonton, so I look forward to seeing you at the rink tomorrow. Thanks for uh, enlightening us on what's going on with the Ducks. Tomorrow will be fun, man. Can't wait. Yes, I'm looking forward to Saturday. That that should be a great atmosphere. Thank you. That is Eric Stevens checking in tonight. Covers the Ducks for the Orange County Register. Get him on Twitter. Iceman cometh perfect handle the game tomorrow on chat 6 30 face-off show the puck will drop at eight coming up we'll catch up with one of the greatest university coaches of all time in this country it's inside sports on chat this is matt hendricks from your edmonton oilers and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 6 30 chat well, Edmonton Shannon Zabados, the player of the game for Team Canada at the Women's World Hockey Championship. However, it's a 2-0 loss for Canada against the United States. The Raptors winning tonight 111-100 over Indiana. DeMar DeRozan had 40 points. In the NHL, Calgary up 1-0 on San Jose after the first. The Blues lead the Avalanche 1-0 after one. In the second period, Blackhawks up 2-1 on Columbus. Early in the third, the Islanders with a 2-0 edge on the Devils. And in overtime, the Penguins and the Rangers are tied 3-3. couple more games to come later on tonight. Well, when you talked about university football in this country, you often talked about this guy. Brian Tauris spent over 30 mostly very successful seasons as the head coach of the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. He recently announced his retirement. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Uh, I, I can't imagine 
the what life might, must be like because I, I know enough coaches and football coaches to know there really isn't an off season. There's just different stages where they're really busy. But uh, your off season now is isn't getting prepared for a camp and a new year. Uh, is it a little different for you? Yeah, it's been a little bit different for sure. And, uh, and the big thing is there's no recruiting this year. So, you know, that's what took uh, the majority of the time. And, uh, you know, certainly those uh, those guys are well into off-season practices and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's been different, but it's been good. It's, it was uh, 30, 36 years without a break, really, and uh, 33 as, uh, as a head coach. And, uh, you know, so it was nice to sit back and relax a little bit. How, how did you know this was the, the right time to step away? I mean, you had an incredible career. You, you mentioned the actual raw number of years that you put into it on the sidelines. Why this uh, off-season, the right time to step away? Well, uh, you know, I don't know whether there was ever a perfect time to uh, to step aside. I certainly still have a passion for the game and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we have a new athletic structure here. Uh, you know, we have a new dean and a new, uh, new athletic director. So, you know, it was probably the best time now rather than two years from now with all the changes happening uh, uh, to, to step aside and, uh, and turn the program over to someone else. Yeah. You touched on the recruiting usually being what uh, takes up a lot of your time at, the, at this time of year in the past. I have a saying when I usually talk about university, college, athletics, and even junior hockey, especially junior A to some extent, and that is you can win a lot of games in the off season. Uh, when I say that to you in the recruiting angle, uh, how true is that? Yeah, that's, it, is, it is so true now, and uh, I think that that's uh, where Canadian college sport has gone more so in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, the emphasis on recruiting and recruiting nationally now is uh, is certainly way different than it was even six or seven years ago because uh, kids are being identified earlier, they're traveling further away to go to school, and uh, and it is, it's probably taken on you know 60% of the job now in the office. Certainly in the off season, and uh, and you're right. If you don't get the right people, you don't have a chance anymore. Yeah, are are the athletes that, that are going into youth sports football, you know, more specialized than they used to be? I mean, as you know, hockey gets most of the coverage in this country, and, and there are some people who think that the year-round hockey programs or the 11 month a year hockey player that, that that that's too much. That that kids need to maybe diversify a little bit. Have, have, is there more specialization now for the football athlete as well? And if so, yeah. is, that, is that a positive or a negative? Well, I, for sure there is. And, uh, you know, kids are starting to play the game at a younger age. There's more kids that are playing football from at 8, 9, and 10. Some of them even starting in flag before that. But, uh, you know, uh, even 10 years ago, most kids didn't start playing football till high school. And uh, they'd come to us with three years' experience kind of thing, some four. Uh, now we're getting kids that have been playing the game, you know, eight, nine years before they, they get here. Uh, there's all kinds of spring leagues and summer leagues now for for the people that are, are real, real keen. And, uh, you know, I still think we get kids that have played more than one sport, uh, but they are specializing much earlier and, uh, and they're better trained. Uh, they're coming out stronger, faster, and uh, with a little bit more experience than they did before. And I think you're seeing that uh, anybody that's seen Canadian college football in the last, uh, you know, five, six years, uh, the level of play has, uh, 
has uh, improved dramatically. The game's faster, and uh, uh, the kids are are better trained. And uh, and when they they really work out 11, 12 months of the year now too. Yeah, for sure. Brian Towers joining mm-hmm. us on Inside Sports, longtime coach of the Saskatchewan Huskies football team, decided to uh, step away in uh, December after an incredible career, th- including three Vanier Cup championships. I, I mean, I got to ask you about not just the, the longevity, but the year-after-year success. I, I mean, look, sometimes I'd look at the Canada West standings at the end of the year, and I'd see Saskatchewan went 6-2, and two, and I thought, well, they had a down year. I mean, I mean you created those uh, high expectations, and, and generally y- you lived up to them. I don't know if that all comes to, down to building a culture or, or uh, you know, just having high expectations year after year. What do you think was the key to your sustained success? Well, I think a little bit of a little bit of both. You know, we, uh, we and a lot of people would argue that we haven't had the success in the last eight or nine years that we did before. We probably won as many games, but we certainly didn't have the playoff success that we had uh, before. But I think uh, you know, again, when there used to be two teams in Canada the West that were real strong every year, now there's usually four or five out of the six that are pretty uh, pretty strong every year. But uh, I was fortunate. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, maybe it was being in a smaller place, but we did have a lot of long-term, very dedicated volunteers. Uh, you know, four of our coaches were with me for over 25 years, and uh, and they weren't just, uh, they were volunteers, but they were committed football guys that uh, worked hard at their craft. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the off-season trying to upgrade, going to American schools, trying to stay current, spending time with CFL teams, and uh you know, a lot of our success goes back to those volunteers and the dedication that they put in. And then, you you know, you get a winning culture, you continue to attract kids. And, uh, you know, it, it was a place, uh, it was a destination of choice for kids for a lot of years, and I think it still is. And uh, um, But uh, but right now, I think, you know, Canada West football is, is back to where, you know, it was in the in the mid 90s where there's four or five teams every year that they're that are going to compete and and you can go five and three and still finish in third place you know so it's uh it's uh it's it's a real real competitive situation and that's not changing brian how unique is not just saskatoon but the province of saskatchewan when it comes to a football culture maybe as compared to the rest of the country well, a lot of that goes back to you know I, I really think the riders and uh, and what they mean to the province here. It uh, it certainly has a spin-off effect in terms of the level of interest when they're doing well. Uh, but I do know in Saskatoon here, one of the things we benefit from or, or have benefited from is that uh, it's a relatively large market uh, with great amateur football. And we're not competing against any pro teams. You know, we don't have the Eskimos, we don't have the Stampeders, we don't have the Oilers to compete against. So, from a media perspective and from a fan interest, it was kind of the biggest game in town. And uh, and I think that uh, you know that certainly contributes to our atmosphere and our ability to put uh, six, seven thousand people in the in the building every night. You know, so uh, it's. Uh, it, it works both ways, and uh, but uh, Saskatchewan is a little bit like a, a small state in, in the United States with a with a level of interest in, in football, and I, I see that growing in Alberta, and I see it uh, growing in BC to its. Uh, as I said, there's an awful lot of kids that are choosing to play this game at a young level, and uh, and uh, and uh, that's starting to show now with the talent that's coming out. 
Brian Towers joining us on Inside Sports, longtime coach of the Saskatchewan Huskies football team. Just a couple more for you. Um, maybe going to get a little, uh, make you think a little bit here, but you mentioned, you know, over three decades as the coach. If you could somehow go back and talk to a rookie head coach, Brian Towers, and give him a piece of advice, what would you say? Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, you, you know, your credibility carries so much weight, and uh, and uh, in in the recruiting world, you've got to be upfront and honest with those kids, and don't certainly don't mislead them in terms of what their expectations would be, and uh, and try to be try to be as as specific as possible, and uh, and really uh, really make sure that. Uh, they emphasize their work ethic and those kinds of things and that uh, really no guarantees are made and if you can do that and, and live up to it then, uh, then people will build trust in you and build trust in your program so um, just that whole honesty piece that, uh, that is difficult now not not in terms of your integrity and what you want to do but just the competition for players now if something somebody down the road is always offering them a little bit more and uh, you really have to stick close to your guns and uh, and uh, treat people the way they uh, you know with respect and uh, and uh, really the ones that uh, that give you great effort you got to put everything back into them as well. Yeah. All right. And and the last one, and I asked this knowing maybe you'll give me a more complete answer in August and September than you <laughs> would in March. But uh, what do you think you're going to miss the most? Well, you know, you know, the sideline, uh, the competition. You know, you train all year to play eight games. Football's a little different than hockey, or, or these where the, you know, where you're playing eighty games. You get to play, you get to play eight games a year. They're in the right to play two or three more every year, and uh, so those weekends, you you really cherish those those uh, those eight to ten weeks in the fall. And there's no question, I'm going to miss the sidelines. Uh, I don't think I'm going to step away from the game completely, uh, but uh, you know, I don't know whether it'd be a head coach someplace again but I do I do want to stay in the game whether it's in a scouting role or an assistant coach role but we'll sit back and uh, and figure out where that may may lead us but I, I do know I'm not going to be too far away from the field. Well, you're definitely a credit to uh, not just the University of Saskatchewan, but I think university sports as a whole, Brian, and all the best whatever you choose to do next and thanks for telling some of your story on Inside Sports tonight. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Great to talk to Brian Towers, legendary university football coach with the Saskatchewan Huskies, three Vanier Cups. You heard his uh, 36 years on the coaching staff, uh, 33 as the head coach. Wonderful to have him on the show. I want to thank Warren Mulvey, tonight's studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Calgary up 1-0 on San Jose. That is after the first period. Tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock for the start of the game. Oilers and Ducks. Oilers gunning for top spot in the Pacific Division. That's going to be a beauty. Besides Brian Towers tonight, you heard from Eric Stevens, Bob Stoffer, some comments from Darnell Nurse and Todd McClellan as well. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. My name is Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Charles Adler tonight is next. Have a great weekend. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.